Colleen Wolf from NFL Network, and look, you may or may not know, I'm from Philly. I'm ride or die Philadelphia, but especially when it comes to sports. So you guys need to check out Mike Small on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. This guy crushes it, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say next. Smalls. Hey, this is former Sixer and Tar Heel, George Lynch. Smalls, you're killing me. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I am your host, Mike Small. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeSmall. You can subscribe to the Painted Lines and get all kinds of Sixers and Philadelphia content, as well as cultural stuff as well. But this is a big day, and it's a fortuitous day, as for the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been trying to get one of my journalistic idols on. And that is this gentleman right here, Bob Ryan, who you all know from his years at the Boston Globe, the sports reporters. He says he's retired, but I still see him on Around the Horn, hear him on The Ringer. Um, he's got a, multiple podcasts, so I'm not sure what retired looks like to you guys. But it, but Bob, I think you're keeping pretty busy. But I think we're actually fortuitous in having you on today because I wanted to talk to you about the NBA and particularly the Sixers-Celtics rivalry. And just a couple hours ago, Sham Sharania from The Athletic reports that the Sixers and Celtics are discussing Ben Simmons going to Boston and the Sixers want Jalen Brown. I'm going to guess that you don't love that idea. And First welcome all, to the show. I want to clarify retirement. It is a technical term. That, <laughs> no, no, seriously. I, 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 that means you are no longer in the employ the full-time employee of a company, in my case, the Boston Globe, for whom I worked 44 years. So I am no longer, I have, do not have a boss. I do not have a full-time job. Uh, I do have a couple of little things going on. I have two podcasts. I write every other week for the Boston Globe, and I write, and, and I still appear on ESPN's Around the Horn on a bi-weekly basis as well. So it does sound like a lot, but believe me, it's, compared to having a real job, it's not much. It's, it's enough to keep me busy. Now, uh, this is disturbing news that you have given me. And I, when we're done, uh, my, I will proceed to organize a vigilante committee <laughs> to make sure that once a, any plane lands with uh, Ben Simmons, that he, he will not be allowed to deplane. Uh, and maybe I have to get some auxiliary help up uh, from state troopers on the border in case they try to sneak him in by car or, or even rail. Uh, but this, this is so not you're very open to this. It sounds like, oh yeah, I really want a guy. <laughs> I really want a point guard. You have to take out of the game when the, in the most important games of the year, because you can't, he can't shoot free throws and he won't shoot the basketball. Oh, I really want that guy. Yeah. That's really helpful. Why would anybody want this guy is what I want to know. Well, what's funny is Brad Stevens was the first person to expose Simmons in that, in that 2018 playoff run. When he built that wall and the Celtics were without Kyrie and Hayward and, you know, then all mm -hmm. the shoot the three coward shirts came out from the Boston. <laughs> yeah, no, no. All kidding aside. It, the big question for me, Mike, during this previous offseason of all potential NBA issues was, is there a market value for Ben Simmons and what is it? Because he is the oddest player of consequence in the 75-year history of the league. 
and I think I'm a, I can speak as a reasonable good historian of the NBA, that there has never been a player who who has attained All Star status, and is and and you know is considered to be a, a superior player who has such a monumentally flawed game, and I'm including all the centers such as Shaquille and others who couldn't shoot free throws, because there's never been an alleged point guard or player who has the ball in his hands as much as Simmons does, who has this gargantuan flaw in his game and this gargantuan psychological flaw, period, about shooting the basketball. So uh, he's unusual, to say the very least. And uh, I, I, so all kidding aside, I wondered what his market value was. Obviously, Daryl Morey had thought he or, or hoped. I don't know if he, Daryl's smart. Did he really think people would give him three number ones or all this stuff or well, whatever that he thought, obviously it didn't happen. And, and now he's going to have to take X cents on the dollar, whether it's 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, whatever it is. So I have a theory and I'd like to run it by you. My theory is it's not a, you know, it's not a groundbreaking theory, but my theory is that Daryl Morey was asking for the moon because he wanted to buy time to see who was going to be available. Was Damon, Damian Lillard going to ask for a trade? Was Bradley Beal going to ask out? And could he buy time to December 15th when all those players that signed extensions or, or free agent deals are available to be traded? So I don't think he ever expected to get that. It's nice to throw it out because you never know hmm. if someone's going to give it to you. But that's been my theory okay, all well, along, and now we're getting down to it. I mean, I want to give Daryl Morey, obviously he's a bright man, the benefit of the doubt in that regard. So that's a very interesting theory, and uh, uh, if that's the case, it would make sense to me. But all kidding aside, and I, I'm not, you know, I like yeah. to say about Ben Simmons. He's a fun topic to talk about, obviously. But do you agree? Can you? There's never been, a, there's no parallel in the history of the league. Well, no. one of the questions I had for you is one of the things, you know, you're kind of the Doris Kearns Goodwin of basketball here. And I was going to ask you for a historical parallel because I can't come up with one. No, I've watched every game this guy's played, every single game this guy's played in, in the NBA. And there are times that he can dominate a game without scoring a point with his defense and his passing. Mm -hmm. There are times that he can, you know, hide and destroy you in a game as you saw against Atlanta in that series last year. Um, you know, if somebody could unlock that where the guy, if the guy shot 75% from the free throw line and then he would have the guts to go to the, who cares if he shoots? Cause he would dunk and get fouled. It's just one or two little things. If somebody could unlock it, I think he could be amazing. Well, yeah, but it's a little deep into his career now to, for, for no improvement to have been made. I mean, I, 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 after the first year, I said, okay, obviously, obviously, I said, they're going to lock him in the gym for three hours a day in the summer with an armed guard to make sure he doesn't get out. And he's going to shoot jump shots. He's going to come out. And he's going to have become a reasonable shooter, uh, you know, to augment the rest of the good, fine parts of his game. Right. Well, obviously, it didn't happen. And or if it has happened, he, he, he stood there for three hours and sulked or something. I don't know. But it hasn't happened. It's like he's gotten worse. It, it bottomed out in the last playoffs, as you pointed out. Bottomed out. Now, all right. Now, I don't want to be cow. If he does have a serious psychological problem, then, then he's got to address it. Then now I'm reading that he's resisting their urgent treatment uh, or, or their recommendation for treatment. I don't know. I just know what I'm hearing and reading. Um, yeah. Yeah. They got a real problem on their hands. And, and why would any other team? Oh, I know. There's always... And matter what the circumstance, 
somebody thinks I can fix whatever it is, whoever it is, you know, whether it's, you know, all the recalcitrant great players in the history of all sports. Uh, but this is still an unusual uh, a task that anyone would be uh, assuming. Yeah. I mean, how many of these coaches and, and GMs believe their own press clippings where if you just put them in my culture, I'll fix it. I mean, you know, personally, I think he should be in San Antonio because if there's ever a place that could fix it, it's with Chip England and Pop and and that whole crew. But, you know, I, I agree with you. The question I have back to you is, you know, there whenever these things get reported about this team having interest or that team, and we've heard, you know, Minnesota, Sacramento, we've heard all kinds of things. This is the first time we've heard about the Celtics. And coincidentally, it's a couple days after Marcus Smart <clears throat> called out Brown and Tatum, excuse me, where does that leave you in terms of what you think the future of the Celtics is, if they're even considering that? I'm trying, you know, I mean, it, sounded, it was awful the, when you first heard it. You go, oh my God, this is awful. But um, knowing the nature of the, of the three people involved, uh, I, I, I think it can be fixed, uh, really. Uh, but I am the, still... a. a I come to it with mixed feelings about Smart. I'm, I'm, um, I've long been a, a member of the fan club, and I've, I've, I've defended him against uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, attacks about his game uh, because of the good things that he does do. But um, I think he oversteps his bounds at times too, personally. And in, in terms, and and like some people, a lot of people, he may not be quite as, dare I say, it smart as he thinks. Mm -hmm. But. Um, I think that can be fixed. I, I, I don't think that's the problem. They actually, they actually responded with two good games on the road in yeah. their third one when they got beat on a yet another Donkic buzzer, buzzer beater in Dallas the other night. I don't know if you know that that was a carbon copy of what happened to them there last year. Like, exact same thing. An impossible shot by Donchick beats them at the buzzer. Uh, they came from – so I think they're playing they, – they seem to have, you know, righted the ship a little bit. We'll, we'll find out. Anyway, but I'm not positive. But it looks that way, and and Tatum, by the way, bounced back with a big game uh, the other night. And um, anyway, so that's their issue. I mean, let, let's be honest; they're all great players. I mean, Tatum and Brown are great players. The question is, will it work together? Together, will I it, know, and yeah. I, and, and that is a question. And it's I, the I Simmons and Embiid thing, right? Yeah, except that the you know except the nature of the game, the one guy you know Embiid's a, a five, or he's a four and a half, <laughs> or he's a six minus two, or whatever whatever guys a modern big is. You know, he is the one of the quint, if not the quintessential modern big. Yeah. Um, uh, that's fine. Whereas, you know, Tatum is a forward, Brown's a forward. That's it, period. I mean, that's it. They, they still are recognizable as forwards. Um, but it's so anyway, um, the, but they, they do need to, you know, play better together more consistently. They, they have on many occasions. Um, I, I think one of the issues I'm guessing, I'm playing total guess game here is that uh, Brown last year took a step up and, you know, uh, it was best year and made the all-star team uh, average his career high. Uh, he's still not Tatum. Uh, and I, I, I think he puts himself on the exact same a talent and a talent level, exact same uh, level as Tatum. And he's not, maybe he's having a hard time adjusting to the idea that, that in the pecking order that Tatum is, is, and always will be higher. I don't know. I'm just guessing. So if you had to keep one, you're keeping Tatum for you're sure. You're keeping Tatum, yeah. Although, yes, I, I am. And now that's it. Therefore, you know, and by the way, I I know reputable people who would like to trade Brown for some people. There was one good friend of mine who who uh, I would do a podcast with, Jeff Goodman, who has been selling Brown for Beal for like, you know, for a year. He, he's in love with Beal. And, and uh, you know, and I resisted it. But I, um, 
you know, but uh, Bradley Beal's pretty damn good. So uh, that that's another matter. Oh, maybe there's a three-way trade coming. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I know the Sixers have been looking for another trade partner, but I want to get into the, the Sixers a little bit, and then I definitely want to come back to the Celtics and the rivalry, if that's mm-hmm, okay. Sure. You have a long-standing relationship with Doc Rivers. You've been on record talking about how much, I think you called yourself a docophile on your last podcast. Yeah, something like count? that. Sure. Is, that a, is that a word? We'll use it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, see, I listen. I pay attention. Um, <laughs> with Doc... You know, my thought was, all right, Ben Simmons is being enabled by Brett Brown. Now you have Doc Rivers. He's going to unlock him. Um, Doc was not able to do it, although he defended him more than anybody. And then you saw that debacle after game seven. What is your thought about Doc Rivers? And first of all, the job he's done. And what could he have done differently with Simmons? Or if, or are you thinking if Doc couldn't do it, nobody can? I'm just wondering uh, your perspective on on Doc with this whole thing. I'm leaning more toward the latter uh, because Doc is, a, is a, all about people as well as the Texas and O's. He's, he's, got, he's right. the consummate modern coach and uh, he, he, he understands, you know, he was a player of consequence, uh, uh, but he also was a player who, who rode a bench at the end of his career. He understands uh, he understands the full spectrum of NBA existence, shall we say, and or pretty much the full spectrum. And um, he's, he's just a bright and, and he's a sensitive person. He's a he's a, a, a normal human being. You can imagine Doc as your next door neighbor, believe me, uh, as well. You know, uh, he, he's, he's eminently normal. And, and uh, I, I'm guessing that he tried everything he could think of and, and he, he can't unlock him. Uh, he can't. I, uh, I I have some reason to believe that he's you know, that's the case, and and then let it go at that. I I, I think, quite frankly, he'll he would. I'm no, I shouldn't. I would think that he'd be breathe a sigh of relief. The headaches out. It's somebody else's headache now. I wish we could have figured out a way to unlock this, but but I've given up, and uh, I'm just as glad that he's gone, kind of thing. He won't say that publicly, but I'm going to. I'm going to bet that would be his reaction if and when Ben ever, is ever treated. Oh, I think that's going to be the entire city's reaction, quite frankly. But um, when you see the Sixers starting out as they have, uh, best record in the East, best offense in the league without Simmons, does this buy Daryl Morey time? In your opinion, is this? Uh, do you think you know? At, at what point does this end? I mean, it's got to end with a trade. I've got to think there's no way this guy's coming back. Well, I mean, right? I can't imagine it's going to extend into the trading deadline in February that would go that far. I can't imagine. Right. I, I don't know. You know, we have these arbitrary checkpoints, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, 25 games into a season, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question, obviously. I, I, I don't know. But, you know, the, they have to be feeling good about themselves the way they're playing. Um, and, and, uh, you know, more power to them, you know I mean? But, you know, Embiid, Embiid's a tremendous talent and, and, and one, they have one of the most underrated players in the league and Seth Curry, I think. And mm-hmm. people are starting to, if they haven't realized by now that he's, he's, he's pretty good. He's uh, been unbelievable. Yeah. You know, uh, and then he got a weapon and coming off the bench and Kirk Moss, I know he had a good game last, last time out. Um, and then, but. I, I, I haven't seen them yet. I'm only following them from afar. So I haven't had a chance to see them yet. But obviously, I, I always root for Doc. And, and, and I'm happy that, uh, that it's, it's off to a, he's off and they are off to a good start. But the question that you pose is very interesting. Yeah. Um, what, does it buy Daryl time? Uh, I guess, you know, but I, I don't know. I, does, 
where, where is Daryl's actual, the Daryl the fan, Daryl the basketball guy, as opposed to Daryl the guy who has to uh, be the GM to pull the trigger, you know, this, uh, is it, does he, what, what does he really think about Ben Simmons, you know, uh, or is it got the case of no matter what he thinks, he knows he can't get it out of him, he's got to get rid of him kind of thing, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's been reported that Daryl was never truly bought in you know, you know, Daryl's an analytics guy oh, and, you know, three pointers and, you know, Simmons is not that. And, um, you know, he took over from day one and, and really made it Joel Embiid's team, which it should have been. Uh, but it wasn't with the previous regime and, you know, the, the James Harden opportunity that, that the Sixers failed going for Harden, um, you know, definitely was Simmons was involved in that as, as he had to be. Mm-hmm. I guess at this point, if you're Daryl Morey, you can't give him, you know, you, you've made this power play, you know, it's your legacy too. So I guess the question is at what point does he try to save face versus make the best deal? Yeah. And, you know, he said he's going to let him sit for four years if he has to, well, you to know, your point, I can't imagine it. In terms of the saving face thing, as you just pointed out, he wasn't Simmons, you know, Simmons wasn't his guy. He inherited it. No. This, this, this phenomenon. You know, and so what he is, he's a, a most unusual player in the history of the league because of, the, as I said, and I, there's never, there's no parallel, none. And um, not at that stature. I mean, plenty of guys who just stunk, period, but nobody that has this kind of monumental strength and, and corresponding weakness in this game to the extent that he has it never been seen before. So, and, and once again, I'm not counting big men who can't shoot free throws. I'm not counting Shaq. Right. I'm not counting. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of who was a, a very notorious one. And I'll, I'll think of it. But uh, uh, there have been others in the past with free throw problems, uh, but nothing like this. Anyway, um, he's not Daryl's guy. So Daryl shouldn't. I think Daryl knows that around the league. Most people are saying, boy, I'm glad this isn't my problem, although apparently some few of them got their hand up and somebody's it's going to happen. Don't you think? Well, I think it's going to happen for for one reason. There are markets out there that will never attract a free agent even close to the stature of Ben Simmons, no matter what you think he is. And if you can get a guy like that in a trade, you're going to do it because he's locked up for the next four years. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. you know, if you're Minnesota, if you're Sacramento, if you're, yeah, you know, all these type. Now, yeah. I don't think Boston's in that situation. That's why I'd be surprised if that deal happened. I don't think so. Uh, you know, obviously Boston isn't, although, you know, that the, the free agent thing is interesting. Uh, they never get really got a final life free agent until they got Al Horford. And uh, Anthony it, Davis it was, didn't want to go there. And I said for a long time that Boston, uh, you know, was had, was viewed as an old, cold Eastern city. The, the modern mm-hmm. people don't care about the floor and the flags and uh, that that's all. I mean, after all, they only have one once in the last 35 years, by the way. And uh, people around here tend to forget that. Uh, they still cling to this nonsense that they're all about championships, which I just reject thoroughly. They shouldn't be all about championships they sh- because, you know, who are you to be so pretentious to think you deserve a championship? You won one in 35 years. <laughs> so, well, they got the Patriots up there. So that well, I'm talking of, about the uh, basketball fans. I know, oh, I know. City. But that well, kind of bleeds in there for the arrogance. Oh, yeah. The city itself has gotten, you know, so... Uh, overfed in the 21st century, and now we got a verge of yet another one because the guess who guess who had the best record in the MLS this year? So uh, you know th- th- that's the you know the, the, we could have another championship uh, around here. But anyway, um, anyway, there we go. I, I'm I'm babbling, so stop. No, me. I love it. It's great. So <laughs> so um, God, I hate to revisit this. Um, Mark <laughs> Fultz was almost a Celtic. Yeah, and uh, what? 
you know, we've heard many rumors about that, you know, mm-hmm. that middle of the night tryout where he just sucked in front of Danny Ainge and um, they made the deal with the Sixers. Do you have any insight on that looking back a couple of years? Not um, really. Heard Other, stories? No, because the flip side of that is the positive nature of Tatum and the fact that there's, you know, that, that uh, Tatum was so enticing to them. And, and um, you know, they felt he was every, every bit worthy as, of being that, a, a number one as Mark L. Fultz was. But, you know, I, I, uh, it, so I don't, I don't have anything. I just, just this, heard the same kind of stuff you heard. Well, I, I think in Sixerland, we're, we're hoping that the Matisse, Thibel, Carson Edwards trade made up for that. Probably not, <laughs> but not terrible. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, Carson Edwards, talk about flat comet flashing across the sky. Uh, he got people teased around here by making eight three-pointers in one period in an exhibition game in Charlotte last year. Yeah, and that was <laughs> it. That was it. That was a pretty much the sum total of his Celtic contribution. I wish him yeah. well. He's a, apparently a fine young man. I really thought he was going to be okay. I liked him at Purdue, but you know, it just hasn't happened. So aside from those two deals, historically, have the Sixers and Celtics ever connected on a major deal? I can't think of any. Not major. And you know, it's funny you mention that because the, the peak of paranoia, if you will, came in the in the uh, uh, 80s uh, at the, uh, uh, who was the draft? There was a draft. And 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 I know specifically that that uh, Pat Williams and, and, and uh, Red, well, it wasn't really Red more than it was Jan Volk who was running the team then, uh, were, were in, in, a, in a war, a battle. And, and there's somebody was drafted as a blocking block on the other guy. They basically, the team took the one guy because they didn't want the other guy to have him, which is very rare in history of the NBA. But that, that rivalry was really sizzling back in those days. I think it's uh, cooled off. You know, uh, I, I don't think it's as vibrant as it was. But I can tell you, on my, I've been up here for 53 years. Um, that rivalry, I remember Bird, but for example, everybody framed the Celtics in terms of the Lakers. And when Larry retired, he told me that the, the, the rivalry that stoked him the most was Philadelphia uh, at the time. And uh, I, I can believe that. Well, that was, that was my era of growing up, you know, Bird and, and Dr. J and, uh, and Moses and Tony and, uh, you know, all that stuff. I oh, mean, that was I, wonderful stuff. That was, that was, that was the glory days for me. You know, in, um, I remember in 19, uh, the 79 um, exhibition season. No, I know 80, I guess it was. This, uh, remember in 79, Birds are rookie 79, 80. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics go and win 61. They get beat by the Sixers in the playoffs. And they got beat by the fact that they were, uh, that Daryl Dawkins and, and Caldwell Jones uh, overwhelmed them up front physically because the Celtics were very small with 6'8, 6'9, 6'5 front line. And that's when they went out and got McHale and Parrish and changed yep. not only the health Celtic history, but the league history. Um, anyway, I can remember the Celtics played the 76ers in an exhibition game at St. John Arena at, at Ohio State when Bird was his second year. And, and the Sixers beat them. And I remember they were still a benchmark team, you know, and having, and I remember thinking the Celtics, this is the hurdle they got to climb. They got to be able to beat this team. And of course they went up doing though. So in a very dramatic, as you know, fashion in 81 coming from three, one down, but, uh, uh, in the reverse uh, 82, totally, right? Yeah. And then 82, the same thing. They came from three, one down, but this time the Sixers shocked the world. They won that second, seventh game in Boston, fair and square. You have to beat and, LA uh, chance. Yeah. Dr. J had a real big fourth quarter and they won that game. But um, that was the peak of the rivalry at that point. And then eventually, but Andrew, Tony, my feeling, uh, you're, you're looking at the, the, the regional president of the Andrew Tony fan club. I think he's the most forgotten great player in NBA history, certainly in my time. And 
that people forget how great he was. And, and the only thing that did him in was not one, but two bad feet, two bad, two injuries. Uh, you know, he was, he, he was ridiculously uh, unstoppable, frankly, for most people. And, uh, uh, you know, that I, I just hope people remember how good and Philly, how good Andrew Tony was. The Boston Strangler is the best nickname and most apropos nickname of all time, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, you know, I've got to give, you know, Larry Legends. Uh, he, he was, I called him, he played with contempt. He, 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 he was a contempt. He, con, he, had, he played, looked at you with contempt. Double teaming made him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, it was money in the bank when he would go to the basket. Then and just the third that, one. It, that shot off the backboard right yeah. in every time. And then, you know, I mean, he had, he had great range. He could go to the hoop at will, go left or right, and don't foul him. You know, he's going to make him. I mean, and, and he, he seemed to be more happier when somebody was on him than he was when he was wide open. That was like no fun. Too easy. The NBA is at its best when the Sixers and Celtics are both good. And they ha and they have contempt for each other, to use your word, as they did over the the last couple of years, although the last two years it's kind of slipped a little bit. Yeah, well, it's all yeah, it's uh, it's it, it it's been you go back to the the, the Wilt Russell days, obviously, is all you know, sure. they really heated up then and it goes up. So now you got to go all the way back to to the early '60s. But boy, you go back and re do research anybody on, on some of those series, and you know, and um, and then of course the '65 was the Havlicek stole the ball series, and. Uh, 60, you know, oh boy, on and on. And then 67, the Sixers beat them in five and win the deciding fifth game, a 140 to 116. And that's laying it on pretty good. And that's pretty Wilt, good memory Wilt, right Wilt there. Went for Wilt's numbers in that game, you ready? 29, 36, 13. That's not bad. Wow. <laughs> is, is Wilt underrated when you look back at him? When you start hearing everybody talk about, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron and these guys are the goats. And you think about Russell's championships and and Wilt's individual ability. Where where do you know? I I know that you had a vote in that top seventy five, but where do Wilt and Russell fall in, in your opinion, with with these guys? Well, you know, I, I first of all, you have to separate centers from the non centers when you're talking about who's the goat because the job descriptions are so dissimilar. That it, it, it's, it is truly an apples and oranges. So that's number one. When you're talking about who's the goat, you got to talk about, uh, you're talking about, think about all around players, guys who can do everything, play offense, defense, uh, handle the ball, shoot the ball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, obviously, that's not the job description for centers, although now the, the modern bigs are asked to do more than in, in, in a different, but it still isn't the same as everybody else. So look, any discussion, Mike, any discussion of goats and top players any discussion at the least in the top 10 are three centers very possibly in the top five the, uh, of greatest players in the history of the league three centers in some order depending on your preference bill russell will chamberlain kareem abdul jabbar they are in any discussion unarguably in the top 10 and and i believe firmly in the top five the does top it, five where does it keep elijah on fit in there not too far back fourth, but he's number four yeah, the fourth best center, and then you got Magic and Michael. I'm mean, excuse me, Michael and LeBron, and here's your best five players of all time. It's very simple, really. I don't think it's that hard, and it's not that hard. And then the next guys up are, are Bird and Magic, and there's six and seven, and and to me, that is non-negotiable. Those are the top seven players of all time, right now. Now, there's there's one other guy now knocking on the door, and that's Durant, and then there's Curry, who's the greatest shooter of all time. And, and he's probably a top 10 already. 
but Durant's the next one up. If if anybody's and 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 followed by Duncan, and or or if you you might argue the other way around, and I wouldn't fight you on that one either. But those are the next two guys up. I don't disagree with you. Actually, I think um, Duncan is historically underrated because even though he has all those championships, I still think his understated personality and playing in San Antonio hurt him for those types of records. You're exactly right, and yeah. none of that should ever matter, but it does, and 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 to a degree. But absolutely, Duncan. But now Duncan was fortunate, and uh, as, as same as Russell was fortunate, in a way that, and and to a degree, Michael was fortunate when he, when he finally hooked up with the right coach. Um, Duncan would not have been allowed to be himself to the extent that he was if he played for someone other than Pop. I, I really believe that. That's the perfect marriage right there. And Russell will told people, including myself, me to my own face that there's no way he would have won all those championships uh, as many as he did playing for anybody other than uh, Red. He would have won some, but not as many. And and that uh, he needed to have a guy that understood him the way Red understood him. And uh, and and so there, there's that. All right, now back to Wilt, because that's how this all got started. Yes. Um, Wilt, Wilt the, the only comparison to Wilt in terms of physical dominance in the league is, is Shaq. And, and my quarrel with Shaq and why I rate him below Olajuwon is I think he was an indifferent rebounder for his size. I can't, it, it's a, it boggles the mind that that guy with that body and that, and that agility and that athleticism with the 280, 300 pounds, whatever, never led the league in rebounding. That, he should have led it every year. And, and rebounding is want to, number one. Here's the rules of rebounding. One, you want the damn ball or don't you? Two, establish position. Three, hold the position. Four, uh, go get the ball. Uh, jumping is the least important asset of, of rebounding. And the number one important asset is, is do you want the damn ball? And that's why Moses Malone, by the way, we shouldn't ignore in these discussions mm-hmm. as to how high he rates. So, but Will, Will went and got the ball as Russell did. Uh, Will, 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 you know, look at the game was different, of course, but Will, Will's numbers are just science fiction when you look at it now. Yeah. I mean, averaging 50.4 points a game uh, in, in a season. Uh, now, he played for a coach that allowed him to do that, Frank McGuire. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't happen with Red, I can tell you that. But but uh, uh, Wilt should never be, my God, forgotten. He's, he's still one of the great, the great phenomena in the history of American sport. How do you think, last question for you. I know I've kept you long. Oh, no problem. I, this, I'm, I could do this for another three hours, to be honest with you. I love this, and I can't thank you enough. It's really an honor to have you on. I, I watched... God, I grew up watching the sports reporters. I read your column. I back when I used to actually get newspapers, like the physical newspapers. That was there's pretty no, fun. There, there's nothing to prevent you from getting a newspaper. I don't want to hear this. I I read five a day. We get two delivered at home. We get the Globe and the Times at home. And I go out and I buy the the, the USA Today, the Boston Herald, and the New York Post. Every I day. buy my Philadelphia Inquirer. I admit that. Okay, I do. No, but, no, um, no excuse. I'm sorry. No excuse. No, no excuse. No, none at all. Not for any. Any literate person should still be holding the newspaper in his or her hand, period. You know, somebody did one of those. um, I I regress a little bit. Somebody did one of those things, you know, uh, said something like, name something that kids today would never understand. And my answer was (laughs) believing what the guy on the news says and going out and buying a newspaper and believing what everybody in the newspaper says because the sources were vetted. And people are like, who reads a newspaper? And I was like, oh, good Lord. But in any event. Yes. Will, athletically, oh. w- would it hold up today? If you put Wilt today on the Orlando Magic, 
Oh my God. Would they be a top team? Any team that had world today with the modern athleticism, the rest of these guys, uh, you know, I mean, who's better? Who's, who's out there that, could, that would stop Wilton doing what Wilt did? Nobody. There's nobody in the game today who's going to stop Wilton doing what he wanted to do. Uh, the only guy who ever did that, that 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 bothered him consistently was, in fact, Russell, who was the smartest player probably of mm-hmm. you know of, of all time. But uh, Russell and, and played the psychological game with Wilton, and in uh, and, and many ways. But um, oh, Wilt, Wilt, please, and you know, the, the idea, this nonsense of idea that athleticism is a modern phenomenon that they weren't quote unquote athletes who could, could run and jump and do all the things that are supposedly associated with athleticism in the 50s and 60s it's ridiculous no no there were more of them but don't tell me there weren't any there were plenty of them you know one of the things that people don't know about you is that you're very generous with your time uh there's a young you don't even know this uh there's a young college student named dawson moore out in iowa yeah, i know his father works with me and he mm-hmm. told me about your interaction with him and i was like oh, i wonder if he'd go on my podcast and he gave me your email just the fact that you're so giving of your time for things like this and for for young aspiring journalists, uh, you're a credit and yeah. uh, a tre- national treasure, and and I really can't thank you enough. And I hope I can get you back on here one day. You got you you know that you got you know how to get in touch with me. I'd be glad to come back, Mike, anytime. I do absolutely. We'll get you. We'll get you loaded with some better technology next time. That was <laughs> we had a lot of fun getting that working, but oh yeah, <laughs> it, it's an honor to have you on here, um, Bob Ryan from the from everything. Uh, I think 16 books. Is that correct? Uh, 15. I'm on my 15th. And, and uh, what are you uh, writing right uh, now? By the way, in the most important debate of all, Geno's. Not Jim's. Not Pat's. Jim's. Not Jim's. I think Jim's, uh, that, that's an acquired taste. I, uh, but I'm going with Geno's. Okay. okay. All right. Ninth and past. Right. I had to get there. Okay. I'm, I'm Jim's, but I think that's my cop out of staying out of the Geno's <laughs> path, but I've always liked Jim's. So I was a South street kid. It's fine. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Bob Ryan, thank you for joining the killing me smalls podcast. Again, you can subscribe to the killing me smalls podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube under the painted lines and follow me on Twitter at real Mike small. Thanks everybody. Hey, it's Justin Grasso from Sports Illustrated. You're killing me, Smalls. Enjoy the podcast.